it's so closely monitored here, the elections in the United States, because it will have ramifications for Iran's own presidential elections next year. You might be able to hear the bustling traffic in Al Jazeera's Tehran Bureau behind correspondent Dorsa Jabari. For a country that's been under some form of sanctions for about 40 years, life has continued to go on, as you can hear behind her, despite U.S. President Donald Trump's so-called maximum pressure campaign. But that doesn't mean things feel normal or that they can't get worse. As the U.S. election gets closer, U.S. officials are ramping up their rhetoric against Iran, like Secretary of State Mike Pompeo did in an interview earlier this month. The most important thing that President Trump did was recognize that the nuclear deal was dumb. We recognize the Islamic Republic of Iran as the greatest threat to that peace, the greatest threat, frankly, to Americans all across this great country. Or like what President Trump said on a right-wing radio show that same week. Iran knows that, and they've been put on notice. If you f*** around with us, if you do something bad to us, we are going to do things to you that have never been done before. All of this talk came the same week the Trump administration issued yet another round of sanctions on Iran, further sealing off its financial sector from the rest of the world. So what does it feel like for the Iranians living under Trump sanctions? And how long can they expect them to last? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. U.S. has slapped yet more sanctions on Iran, further isolating the country from the world's financial systems. The United States announced its decision to impose a series of new sanctions on Iranian banks. The move can largely cut off Iran from the world's financial system just as it tries to cope with COVID-19 pandemic. When we last talked to Dorsa in January, she was already feeling the impact of Trump's reimposed sanctions on Iran. The U.S. had sanctioned Iran's oil trade and its central bank. Those were some of the biggest moves the Trump administration made in its maximum pressure campaign to get Iran to renegotiate a nuclear deal. In 2018, Trump dropped out of the one signed by Obama during his presidency. Now, these new sanctions, announced earlier this month, are on 18 more Iranian banks. Dorsa says these sanctions have a very specific goal. They're essentially saying the entire world is off limits to the Iranian banking system. They are not allowed to do business. For example, if you were a Lebanese businessman and you were buying some goods from Iran, like let's say carpets or pistachios, you would go through these banks. So now because of this, you're afraid that the United States will fine you heavily because you were doing business with an Iranian bank. So this will prevent you from actually carrying out your business. The Iranians are saying this is tantamount to what they're saying is economic terrorism because it's such a broad spectrum of sanctions that have nothing to do with ordinary Iranians. And they're using a brushstroke that will encompass all of the population from doing business with the outside world. So this is why there's so much backlash, not only from the political side, but also from ordinary Iranians. They're saying the country is already becoming crippled by the economic sanctions. So now with this, it's just another step further. It's not just businesses affected. Observers are concerned because these banks were crucial for Iran to import food and medicine. 
Here's what Iranian Foreign Minister Javad Zarif tweeted after the announcement. U.S. regime wants to blow up our remaining channels to pay for food and medicine. Iranians will survive this latest of cruelties. But conspiring to starve a population is a crime against humanity. We heard from Leila. That's not her real name, by the way. Besides Dorsa, the Iranians we talked to wanted to stay anonymous out of concern of drawing attention to themselves. Leila's father is in Mashhad. He has Parkinson's. She says he went through two successful eye surgeries in the last couple months. Here's what he heard during a checkup a few days ago. He was told by his doctor that he was among the lucky patients to have received the treatment that he needed before the new round of sanctions. And he explained that as a result of the new sanctions, there will be and there is a lack of medical equipment in the hospitals and in the operation rooms, which means that the operations will happen much slower than the past. This basically implies that more patients are going to suffer and they're going to be in pain for a longer period than before. And the main reason for this is the new round of sanctions that are particularly brutal. So proponents of sanctions say that there are exemptions for the trade of things like food and medicine. That's international law. The U.S. can issue waivers to any companies or banks that want to sell humanitarian goods to Iran. But the process is complicated, and it's created a chilling effect. Here's Dorsa. The United States, even with this new round of sanctions, they said that there will be exemptions made for humanitarian channels to remain open. But at the same time, there is such a distrust between the two sides. So what happens is, I'll give you an example. Since I came back, I went to buy some vitamins in a pharmacy that I go to every time I come to Iran. And I know the owner and he always has vitamins from Canada and Germany. And I asked him, I need this, this, this. And he said, well, most of it we don't have anymore. I said, what do you mean? I've been coming here for over 10 years. You always have these vitamins and they're not anything uh, out of the ordinary. And he said, no, but recently it's just become more difficult. There really isn't any way to get them in. This was very surprising to me. But he said, because of the sanctions, there's such a tedious amount of work, different channels you have to go through. So ordinary business people that import drugs and medicine are also feeling the effects of these sanctions when they shouldn't be. It seems that it's at the will of the American government when they allow these exceptions to take place. Leila says ordinary people will face the brunt of the impact. Unfortunately, it seems as though the ones who are sitting in their offices and in their think tanks in D.C. and impose such sanctions in the hope of overthrowing the government or weakening the government, they completely are unaware of how the sanctions in fact operate and affect to ordinary people in Iran. When a high-ranked politician or an official gets sick, they're not the ones whose life is going to be threatened. It's ordinary Iranians who are affected by these brutal sanctions. Take something as simple as a flu vaccine. 
Usually by this time of the year, those in the high-risk group would have received the flu shots. But sadly, because the sanctions have hit the pharmacy shelves hard, it's very difficult at the moment for the people with special illnesses to get hold of their flu shots, which means that they're going to be in much higher risk than, for example, past winter as a result of the new round of sanctions. Here's Iran's foreign minister, Zarif, last month, explaining why flu vaccines are held up. Iran is not able to even buy vaccines for influenza because the United States does not allow us to transfer the money. It's waiting for an authorization by the United States to pay our own money, not to pay their money without asking anybody for donations. And that's a key point about sanctions. It's not aid, it's trade. It's about Iran's ability to use its own money to buy food and medicine from outside the country. Right now, any banks and businesses involved have to cross a minefield of U.S. sanctions. Medicine and food are supposed to be exempt from the sanctions. The problem is most financial transactions with Iran are banned. Human Rights Watch says European countries are afraid to do business with Iran and more needs to be done to assure them that they can export vitally needed medicines. And the workarounds aren't enough to supply a country with food and medicine during a pandemic. A long-promised Swiss humanitarian channel has processed just one transaction since it was created in January. With the new sanctions, people expect things to become even more difficult. We asked Dorsa why she thinks these sanctions are coming now. I believe this uh, Trump administration has been so frustrated with how things have progressed between them and Iran. Donald Trump has said that he wanted to deal with the Iran file before the elections to have something to show for it. Trump and his administration and allies have been saying things like, We left the nuclear deal. We're going to make them beg us to come back to the negotiating table. Maximum pressure campaign against Iran is working. Their economy is in the toilet. I think the president is determined to bring this regime to its knees. They've already had to make difficult decisions about whether they're going to feed their people, provide medicine to their people. Iran is being choked off, and Iran's going to have no other choice but to come to the table. We're going to cripple the country's economy to force Iranian authorities to come back and renegotiate the nuclear deal. I believe that is the whole point of all these sanctions. To put it another way, These latest sanctions are trying to achieve the maximum in maximum pressure. But the economic situation already felt pretty intense. Over the past few months, people have become extremely cash poor because the currency has lost over 50% of its value. Uh, Whenever there is new sanctions or there is talk of any kind of confrontation or something happens between Iran and the United States, it has an effect on the real, on the value of the currency inside the country in relation to the U.S. dollar. So what it's meant for people is that the car that they own or the home that they own has completely lost its value. And this is why people are now afraid to spend money on anything. You used to be able to go to the grocery store with roughly about $50 and be able to buy groceries for four people easily for an entire week. Now, that number will not even buy you anything for a couple of days. It's just astounding, the increase that has happened over the past few months. There is a fear that things will just spiral, that they will get so bad that people's whole livelihoods will have no value. And this is what is worrying. COVID has had a very, very significant effect on all this as well. That is not to be forgotten. It's just been incredibly bad timing with everything. 
Iran has already had difficulty grappling with coronavirus. The pain being inflicted on Iranians is increasing as they deal with additional economic hardship and dozens of COVID-19 deaths every day. With the economy struggling, the government faces tough decisions. Reimpose lockdowns and try to stop the spread of the virus, a hope that people will take heed and abide by the rules. Another reason that Iran is still in the current situation with coronavirus, they never actually managed to get out of it, it's one wave after another, it's continuous, is because of the economic hardships people face. An ordinary Iranian can't afford to stay at home. They can't afford to shut their business for weeks on end. They have no other source of income. The government is not providing subsidies to people because of the pandemic. So this is one of the reasons that we're seeing the numbers that we have. The ramifications of the sanctions plus coronavirus have just compounded the problem for many Iranians, and they really can't afford not to be out in the workforce. And that reality is even harsher, given the steady inflation. Here's what Nima in Tehran told us. The, the thing is, it's not just the economic effect. The, the uncertainty that comes with it means that ordinary Iranians, in particular younger ones, feels despair and a feeling of hopelessness in this country. They see no future for themselves and no point in working as their salary loses value by day. It's been a lot to deal with. There is a lot that has come as a result of these economic pressures. Even the Rouhani government said that, of course, they have felt the hardships, but they are still trying to hang in there. And there is a lot of hope. There is a lot of hope in Iran that Donald Trump will not be reelected. And while the economic situation continues to get worse under this current Trump administration, Dorsa says Iranians are just waiting to see what happens. Everybody's sort of like on pins and needles. There's a lot that is up in the air and from the very top down to the ordinary Iranian, I would say. Everybody's just waiting to find out what happens in the U.S. election. Officially, Iran's policy is that it doesn't matter who is in the White House. But I think it will be very, very different if Biden gets into the White House. I was part of that deal to get the nuclear agreement with Iran. And it was working. It was working. And look what's happened. A lot of people are worried that if there's a second term for Donald Trump, things will just continue to get worse and there will be some kind of a confrontation because it cannot continue as it is. Regardless of who is elected in the U.S., Iranians have seen their hopes rise and crash for years now. Dorsa says that's one of the reasons why the Trump administration's withdrawal from the nuclear deal in Iran has been so painful. The economy wasn't great to begin with. The 2015 nuclear deal was supposed to be the savior of all this. After eight years of Ahmadinejad policies and the isolation Iran faced from the international community, Rouhani came onto the scene and it was very hopeful and a lot of the sanctions were lifted. Then Trump was elected and everything changed. Workers were not getting pay raises. Inflation was continuing to grow up. Unemployment was rising. So all these had a domino effect on the country's economy. It never really had a chance to see the benefits of the nuclear deal because of Trump's policies on Iran. And that's had consequences for Iran's domestic politics. Here's what another person in Tehran told us about trust in the government. Well, the sanction influence on everything. 
within a year the price of everything have doubled or almost tripled i don't know why but uh, increasing the rate of the dollar affects on everything the government likes to pretend that uh, sanctions are not influenced us but it is not true people's trust in them has decreased considerably a lot has changed since Hassan Rouhani first ran for the presidency in 2013. Hassan Rouhani has won the Iranian presidential election. The Iranian people have voted overwhelmingly against the conservative options on offer and in favor of Hassan Rouhani. His campaign was all about growing the economy. People were in the streets celebrating when the nuclear deal was signed, hopeful about the future. But the five years that have passed since have been difficult. You have to remember, even under Obama, even when this deal was signed and sanctions were lifted, there were still a lot of other sanctions in place, and Obama continued those sanctions that have been in place for years. So it wasn't like a democratic administration would just get rid of everything and it will all be fine. No, I think the idea is, the hope is that with Biden, this kind of rhetoric and this fear of a confrontation or, or a military escalation between the two sides will just die down and there will be some channels opened. And those years have been difficult for Dorsa too, as an Iranian journalist. Covering the uh, Trump presidency in Iran, it's been exhausting, I can say. It's been very, very difficult, and it's just been very frustrating and very sad. Uh, the amount of misinformation that's coming from him and his administration about uh, Iran, also the, the number of people he surrounded himself with that were very, very hard on Iran, John Bolton being one of them, Pompeo being another. We've heard quite a bit from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, but in case you forgot John Bolton, here he is before Trump brought him on as a national security advisor for a little while. I have said for over 10 years that the declared policy of the United States of America should be the overthrow of the Mullah's regime in Tehran. And here's what Trump had to say about Bolton. John Bolton is absolutely a hawk. It's up to him. He'd take on the whole world at one time. These are people who have very, very uh, harsh rhetoric against Iran. Uh, so this just pushed the hardliners in Iran to be more in the spotlight. Dorsa said that's had an effect on the popularity of Iran's President Rouhani and Foreign Minister Zarif. People here just no longer trust them in terms of what they can deliver because everything they tried to do was just thrown away by Donald Trump and his administration and their policies. So it paves the way for hardliners in Iran to come back onto the scene. And that's what we believe will happen if Trump is reelected. Iran has presidential elections next June 2021. And there's a strong belief among many analysts here that there will be a very hardliner voted into office to deal with what is happening in the White House. And it's already having an impact. The parliamentary elections this past February had the lowest turnout in the history of the Islamic Republic. Dorsa covered them. Today's major problems, inflation and sanctions. Our economy is awful. When the election is done, they don't even look at this town. As Iran's currency loses value, life is getting tougher. There was a lot of discontent with politicians and their policies. 
and there was a lot of anger by people about their local politicians as well, and especially after the lack of financial support they've received from the government. They were just disheartened. They said that they don't really see a point of voting for MPs because really they don't do anything for them. They believe there was a disconnect. Dorsa says the government does acknowledge that people are suffering, but some say that while sanctions have made things harder, the government could have done more. Economists also think that years of government mismanagement is a major factor for the current crisis. There is a lack of will, I think, on certain level to try and help the people and just, instead of uh, trying to put in certain rules and regulations about the fact that people can't raise the price of butter for example like threefold overnight the government can control these things but they haven't been able to so far so i think that's what the frustration is from the people is that there isn't any body governing body that is trying to help the ordinary people On October 8th, the day the new round of sanctions were announced, Iranians had another reason to mourn. He was the voice of a generation, and when he died, many Iranians could not mourn alone. Mohammad Reza Shajarian, the most famous classical singer in Iran, passed away. He was a once-in-a-millennium talent for Iran. Literally, he was buried next to the 10th-century poet Ferdowsi. You can hear people here singing Morgi Sahar, or Bird of Dawn, outside the hospital where he died. Shajarian used to close concerts with this song. It's about hope triumphing over oppression and injustice, about dark nights turning into morning. But right now in Iran, many feel it's hard to imagine any light overcoming the darkness. People are very tired. They don't really believe in their future like they used to before. They don't really make plans now for anything other than day by day. They're just trying to get through week by week, basically. I think there's just a sense of anxiety within the general public that you feel. There is uh, really very little people are uh, positive about. People are just constantly exhausted from this roller coaster ride that they're on. And every time something new happens, they just keep saying, well, it can't get any worse than this. And uh, unfortunately, it does. But even as Iranians prepare for the worse, people like Mima are still hoping for some news that might make their lives easier. Almost all of Iranians, including myself, are closely following the U.S. election because how much it's going to affect our daily lives. If Trump administration wins again, our economic situation will probably worsen by day. We are all afraid what will happen. But if Biden wins, we hope that the U.S. administration will rejoin the Iran nuclear deal and probably our economic situation in the country will be better, hopefully. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliai with Oni Wohacha, Dina Kispe, Ney Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, Priyanka Tilve, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. And Graylin Brashear is our head of audio. We'll be back.